Welcome to Crosstown Cardboard, a sports card podcast with two collectors from opposite sides of New York City. Craig and Carmine share sports card stories from the perspective of a teacher and broadcaster. This is Crosstown Cardboard. Welcome to Crosstown Cardboard episode 68, the first episode of 2024. We've now recorded Crosstown Cardboard in three different years, so we're continuing to make progress. Our New Year's resolution, keep this gosh darn sports card podcast going. And that's hosted by myself, Carmine at Carmine's Cards, the uh, sports storyteller down here in Greenville, South Carolina, originally from Westchester County, New York. And Craig at New York City Sports Cards, the math teacher, the soccer coach from Long Island. Now he's in New York City. And that is, of course, where the ball drops to bring in the new year, 2024. And we are calling this episode the 2023 Financial Breakdown slash Ending with a Bang. Shout out to Mike Breen. Bang, bang. Oh, what a shot from Curry. So what we're going to do. We're going to break down Craig's finances in sports cards for the 2023 season, some data, some analytics. He is a math teacher. He's going to break down some margins, how much he invested into the sports card hobby in 2023, how much he bought, sold, and all that great stuff. So just a a little bit of um, sports card data that maybe you can take into your own journey. And then, of course, always following along with us, which is, you know, what we really enjoy sharing that camaraderie and uh, lessons and money learned through cards and then ending the year with a bang because Craig just got back from Miami. Of course, he hit a sports card shop, an LCS three. He's telling me I'm getting this in my ear. Now it's breaking news. Three sports card stores in Miami, some big pickups. I have a big pickup to bring in the new year. So, and and Craig also has some uh, commentary that he wants to provide too. So, that's a little table of contents for what we got for the first episode, 2024. Craig, how's it going? And what do you have for our wonderful viewers and listeners for our first 2024 episode? First of all, happy new year to you. We are, mm-hmm. we haven't missed a week, 68 mm-hmm. weeks straight. So good for us. Yep. Uh, really just having fun collecting, going to the hobby in other, other states chopping up with you once a week. So this is uh, excited for another year. We're setting up at our first show together later this month. So that is super exciting. Yes. And let's not forget, we are. there was a massive Knicks trade that happened last week as well. So we're going to get into that in regards to its relation to cards. I have a giant told you so to the entire hobby. A little teaser. We'll get into that later. Wow. But where should we begin? Well, I think we need to begin with your 2023 financial breakdown because we've been talking about, you know, this episode for a few weeks now and that you were going to analyze a bunch of your data from the prior year to uh, provide some insight to some people who may not be tracking their stuff as closely and then also a self-reflection on your investment into the hobby. So I would love to hear what you learned about your financial side of the sports card hobby last year. Yeah. And look, we're pretty open and honest here. Um, I debated whether how specific I wanted to get with the numbers, but eh, let's talk about it. <laughs> right. Let's talk about it right? um, the accounting side of the hobby, tracking what you buy, what you sell it for, where has almost become like a hobby within the hobby for me. 
-hmm. when I go to a show or a shop and I buy something or I sell something and I trade something, I get very excited to go home and update my spreadsheet. And as we discussed, you know, myself being a teacher, we're actually required uh, in New York State, at least you have five years from when you start being a teacher until you have to get a master's degree. So it's okay. required to keep teaching. My master's degree is in instructional technology. So updating my spreadsheet, using those skills as, you know, me being a math teacher, it all kind of, it plays to my strengths. So I have a, right. a lot of fun doing it and I could reflect and look at the end of the year and see how much should I buy? How much should I sell? Where am I doing my buying and selling? And is this a profitable business for me? Right. So, right. So let's talk about it. Let's do it. In the year 2023, I had 229. Don't share the screen just yet. Oh, I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah, we're going to get there. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, in the year 2023, I had 229 purchases. Now, wow. I break wow. that down card by card. So if I buy a four card lot, I each one gets its own purchase. Now right. there are a few within that 229 where it's like, I got this small little three card lot. I'll count that as three, but for the sake of this recording, let's just say that's 229 separate transactions. Okay. Okay. Um, so of those 229 transactions, I sold 169 cards. Okay. And I still have left over from all my purchases, 60 cards. Right. Okay. So you have some left over, you sell some. Now, I'm just going to get right into the numbers. Yeah. This year, in the year 2023, I spent $29,166 on sports cards. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're at like a sports cards AA meeting. Like, yeah, no, spent, you know, now, like that, that sounds crazy when you when you really think about that amount. But I sold twenty one thousand five hundred eighty dollars and ninety six cents. I'm telling you, I'm down to the penny. Wow. So I yes, it seems like a lot that I'm buying, but I'm selling a lot, too. So quick math. If mm -hmm. you subtract how much I paid, how much I sold. I am into, I've invested the amount of money into my current inventory, $7,585. Now that seems like a little more realistic and not too crazy. Agreed? Right, yeah. right. But you, so you've put $7,500 into sports cards out of your pocket in the year 2023. Correct. Right. Because when you consider, yes, I bought, but then I also sold, where am I at now? 7,500. Right. Now here I think is the most important data point. Okay. Of the $21,580.96 in the cards that I sold, mm -hmm. it was a profit of $4,321.71. So of the cards that I sold this year, yeah. I profited 25.04%. Wow, bro. Good for you. That's a great margin. So what are your thoughts when you hear that? Because 20, if, if you're profiting 25% selling sports cards, you're beating, you're beating the markets. Oh yeah. And I'm doing that, not buying big collections or lots, just very selective cards yeah. that I think are, you know, good deals that I'll be able to sell elsewhere mm -hmm. to ultimately fund the cards that I want. 
Yeah, yeah. My initial impressions when I heard the 29000 of how much you've spent on sports cards this year, that was like a wow. That's a lot. It was a wow to me, too. I'm like, oh, God, yeah. But then when you countered it with selling about 21000 then I was like, okay, okay. So, yeah, you've invested about 7500 into the sports card hobby. That was still probably more than I would have thought, you know. Uh, yep. If I if I went over my own numbers, I'd probably it it'd probably be more, you know, honestly. But it would be, you know, because I've really focused on my PC this year much more than in 2022. So the money that I have locked up in my PC, which could always be sold for the right price, of course, or if a financial problem hits, is probably you know much higher in 2023 than it was in 2022. Uh, when I hear your 25% margin, that's spectacular. Pretty good, right? Spectacular. And I think if you were doing it at a larger scale, I think that margin would be shrinking smaller and smaller and smaller because, you know, if you're buying big collections, you never know. You could get hurt on some of them if you don't quite know exactly what's in there. You could also profit. But because you're being selective with what you're buying and selling, you know, you're finding stuff at local card shops, you're putting it on eBay one of ones, you know, things that maybe are in a different market. If you're in Colorado, you're buying something that might pertain to a New York Yankees guy, you know, so you're being very smart with it, which I think has allowed you to make that 25% margin. Um, and a $4,000 profit for a year in a hobby, plus all the fun you're having and right. all the fun we're having recording and not having to live off that. I think it's, I think that's great. Yeah, it's actually 25.04% profit, so please don't jit me of those uh, I'm, I'm sorry, bro. I, I know you mentioned you were down to the penny. I didn't want to – I'm sorry for shortchanging – literally shortchanging you. Nice. So, um, yeah, and keep in mind, I have inventory still. So who's to say I'm going to sell those cards at that same rate? But all I can look at are the cards that I sold this year. I need right. inventory going into this year because I will be set up at shows. But mm -hmm. of those 169 sales that I made, where I sold $21,580 at a 25.04% profit, I broke it down to the average. So the of the cards that I sold, now we're talking conditional probability, of the cards that I sold, ooh, ooh. the average price that I paid per card, so 169 cards, average that out, the average price I paid per card is $102 selling for $127.70, which tells me my bread and butter is essentially buy a card for 100, sell it for 125. I love that you got that detail with the breakdown. I know you spent some time on this. I didn't know how in-depth you were going to get. That is great knowledge for me and anybody else who's listening and watching our podcast because like you said, you have the numbers, but what do you learn from the numbers? What story do the numbers tell? And that tells you that, like you said, your bread and butter is right around that $100 price range because almost everybody can afford a card in that price range. Yeah. And if I wanted to break it down even further, you know, keep in mind certain data points may skew that. But I'm looking at like my recent sales, 111, 30, 20, 20, but then 438, 25, 30, 30, then 120, then 146. So I'm curious what that might look like on a dot plot, but let's go with 100 average, 125 um, average sale. Okay. Okay. 
So now the question is, well, where, where am I buying all this stuff from? And I think that really paints an important picture. So now, yeah. because I'm going to show, you know what, share the screen. I, I want to show you kind of <laughs> how I, how I do this. I'm loving this right now. No, like I really take a lot of pride in this and I hope who, someone who's watching this on YouTube, use this. You, yeah. use, use the template that I use. Yeah, we're pulling up this whole uh, spreadsheet if you're watching on the YouTube that Craig has. Also a pie chart. I'm really excited to see this literally master's degree at work. Yeah, um, so you can see my screen, right? Yeah. So here, here's how I break it down. The date that I purchased the card, the date that I sold the card, the description, the price I paid, the location at which I got the card from, <laughs> the price I sold, how I received payment for that card, the location that I sold it, and the profit loss per each. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So it gets really tricky. So like, what? how, how do you configure it when you trade a card? I think of trading a card as kind of a net zero. And then I calculate at the end, ultimately, what I traded for, what am I into it? So here's like, just take a look at this example, right? This was a trade. And if you click on the trade, I really break it down exactly what the trade was, how much money it was. Wow. Okay. So you really are logging each thing. I mean, yeah. you, you're going by, you know, if you're not watching on the YouTube, Craig has a, a column where the exact trade is marked out what he traded and how much he was into each card he traded. And if he added cash to it and now what his total price he's into the new card is after that specific trade is included. Yeah, I would love to. And if anyone wants, I'd happily walk you through this because it brings me a lot of joy. And like I said, it, it helps me see if it is this profitable business or not. Mm -hmm. Right now, here, here's I think is an important picture here. The low, uh, the location at which the cards that I purchased and the location of the cards that I sold, you could see nice pie charts here. Now, I'll let you look at the pie charts yourself if you're on YouTube. But here are my key takeaways from the pie charts of the cards that I purchased. Only 35.5% came from social media like Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. But nearly 40% of my purchases came from card stores alone. Wow. Yeah, that's higher than I would have thought. And 1.2%, a minuscule amount, came from eBay and PWCC. So of the, what did I say, 269 cards that I bought this year, 1.2% mm -hmm. of them came from <laughs> PWCC and eBay. Wow. So it's not for me, right? So but you have but but not to cut you off, Craig, but you did make a really important purchase with the Muhammad Ali rookie card from PWCC. So the, yeah. the few times you have dipped into that, you've made it count. Yeah. So for me, uh, my key takeaway from the cards purchase is 57.4% of my purchases came from in-person experiences that includes card shows, card stores, trade nights, and national. And only 36.1% came from online, Facebook, Instagram, eBay. So I like to do most of my buying in person. I enjoy the art of a negotiation, talking to people. Get what I'm saying? Yeah, yes, yes. That's that's very cool. That's that's great that most of it was in person. But then you look at the cars that I sold. 32% um, from social media. So Roughly, let's say a third of my buys and a third of my sales are happening on social media. So I'm consistent there. Right. But my key, my key takeaway is, whereas I bought more in person and sold more online. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I, I bought more in person than online. But if you look at my selling, most of my selling is done on Facebook, Instagram, and eBay, 
mm-hmm. where mo- only 46% of my selling is at card shows, card shops, trade nights, nationals. In conclusion, overall, just to paint the picture here, I do most of my buying in person and I do more of my selling online. Right, right. And and those, I know it's a pretty big sample size with, uh, you know, 200, almost 270 purchases that you made this year. But those numbers are pretty similar. I mean, it, the in-person buying and versus the in-person selling, it's still within 10 to 15% of each other. You know, it's not, it's not like a, a major difference, I would say, you know, I mean, you're pretty consistent as far as, you know, it's almost 50, 50, you know, as far as where you do your buying and selling versus in-person and online, it's, it's pretty close to half and half. Yes. But it, another interesting thing is, again, you can interpret data however you want, right? But I did point zero point six percent of my buying on eBay and 18.9% of my selling on eBay. Ah, that's, see, now that's, that's a good, that's a good difference. Yeah. And I think it just comes down to when you buy in person, there's no comp. When you sell online, you know, no one sees what you bought it for. Exactly. Um, So yeah, see, these are all my card sales, but I do want to kind of make sense of, okay, well, what does that mean for the cards that I'm into? Because we are collectors. Mm -hmm. So I, what I tried to do is these are all the cards that I purchased. If you're looking on the screen, There's 60 cards in total. All the cards that I purchased this year that I still have, dating all the way back from January 7th to two days ago. Yeah. So I tried to pick out some cards that I purchased that I don't intend on flipping. That's personal collection. For example, uh, if you want to go back to me real quick. Okay. I want to show off some cards now. These are cards that I purchased that I don't plan on flipping like this nice Giannis Game use patch out of five. Yeah, I remember us discussing how much that price might be on that Giannis. That was a while ago. Not one, not two, but three messy game worn cards. Yep. The LeBron 0607 extra exquisite quad jersey. A really cool card that I got from my friend um, Harry Kane cards. Kobe juggling a soccer ball. Actually, more rare than you think. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. The Steph Curry Studio Game Worn Jersey, which was a recent purchase. Yep, that was rookie year, right? Ma- yep, Muhammad Ali, 1960 uh, rookie card from yep. Emmett Journal. A 14 Prism World Cup Messi Blue Prism at a 199. Messi color match, first year Prism. The Mbappe 18 Prism World Cup from National. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blue Prism color match, BGS 95. A Jackie, two Jackie Robinson cards, one of which I got recently, the other one I'm going to share for later, and Sandy Koufax rookie card that I got for my dad. Yeah. So here's how I look at this, and this is the last point I want to make about the financials if you want to go back to my screen. Yes, sir. <laughs> I picked out the cards that I still have that I intend on being PC cards, and that comes out to $8,784. Of the cards that I picked out as cards that I intend on keeping. Well, okay. if you recall, how much I am I invested into the hobby? $7,585. Yeah. $7,500, $8,700. They're not that far off. So for the sake of argument, let's just say those cancel each other out. So basically, those are the cards that I chose to invest my money into this year. And now I could look at it as... 
I'm kind of into, if you want to go back to the screen and we'll be done with my spreadsheet, I kind of look at it as whatever inventory I have left, I'm into for nothing. Yeah. That's the bank calling you. They want their uh, money back from everything you invested this year. Uh, fair point though, right? So yeah, yeah. the amount I'm invested in the hobby kind yeah. of cancels out the cards that I purchased that are PC cards. So all the inventory that I have left, that's kind of playing with house money. Yeah. Well, and you, and I'm sure you factored this in, but I mean, the money that you previously invested into the sports card hobby, let's say 2022 or years before is rolled into some of those numbers because, you know, that's, I mean, you already put that money in and now if you trade cards in the new year that you got from the previous year, that kind of rolls over that investment into the next year. Correct. So my current inventory is going to roll over into my 2024 and I'm just going to start fresh. So the cards that I sold are in the past. The cards that are new, I'm, I'm going to put the PC stuff aside, like the cards we just mentioned and yeah. everything else that I plan on flipping. I'm just going to track it all over again. That's a great breakdown. And are you concerned though? Like sometimes I get concerned with how much money I have, like invested into PC cards that I don't plan on moving. That is kind of like dead money, even though I love the cards and I want to keep the cards. That's why I have them in my PC. And I think they're good investments and they're cool you know, to have as a collector at the same time. Does it concern you that you put $8,500 into cards that are going to be investments slash dead money? If I wasn't also investing money into the market throughout the year, that would be concerning. But I'm pretty financially responsible that I have money invested in my pension, my 403B. I put money into the S&P 500. This is just an alternate asset. And no, I don't feel bad because I, I think I'm a seasoned collector at this point that I can collect the type of stuff that I like and holds monetary value. Mm -hmm. This is like like a Cassius Clay rookie card. That is a good, solid investment as long as your entry put, entry price is reasonable. Yeah. yeah. So that'll, no, that'll, stand the, that'll stand the test of time. Right. So I'm not concerned at all because I feel confident in the cards that I invested in. Okay. How was that? That was spectacular. Thank you. That was off the charts. I mean, literally, I mean, you know, we pulled up the charts, but... <laughs> But uh, I love when you get into teacher mode, the few times that you've gotten to really show what you can do. And that was very interesting. I think hopefully valuable to uh, anybody, you know, watching or listening, especially if you get a chance to watch on the YouTube, you'll see Craig's diagrams. It'll make even more sense. But uh, that was really interesting. I had no idea that you had invested that much, you know, what you sold, what you bought. I'm really happy that you were comfortable enough to share the you know, financial figures, because I think that helps people get a clearer picture. And that's one of the things we want to do is offer something to people in the hobby they can take into their own journey and their own collecting and selling and buying. That was, that was cool. What did you, what did you, you take away from it? Um, I really enjoyed sharing it. I hope it made sense to others. What I take away from it was you hear like cash rich card poor. If I told you I had $29,000 worth of inventory, that would be concerning. Yeah. considering I live in New York City and it's quite expensive to live here. But when you, I've been good about selling it. So when you think about that $7,500 entry price into the hobby for the whole calendar year, like that's a little more reasonable to me within my means. Yeah. So are, so where are you as far as like, do you have a good amount of cash to play with when we go to culture collision here in like three and a half weeks or, yeah. or are you mostly, is your money mostly into the inventory? Like wh what's your percentage on that? 
Um, I, f I have cash to bring and I have the inventory that I'm pretty confident is going to move. So look, you need a combination. When you go to shows, you need cards to play with. Right. Right. Um, so that was that. Um, excited. I'm excited to hear what, how others see that because like I said, it has really become a hobby within the hobby tracking all this stuff. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I would say that spreadsheet is 90 to 95% accurate. Yeah. Probably, probably more like 95%. There's a few things that are going to slip through the cracks here and there, but that's a, when you have 270 transactions tracked, it's, you're going to be accurate for the most part down to the penny. So what do you, what do you call that? Like a, there's a little bit of a standard deviation that might have uh, a little error, margin of error in there. I'm not, I mean, it's not my degree, but is that. Very right good. Uh, yeah. Margin of error. So uh, confidence intervals. Oh shoot. Okay. Wow. Yeah, now, now, now we're talking AP stats. Confidence um, intervals. Okay. That's what I tell myself when I look in the mirror, what's my confidence <laughs> interval today? <laughs> so that was, that was the financials. I think the most important part to me is the 25% profit on the cards that I sold. We'll see how I do on the cards that I have left over, but yeah, that's that. Um, I kind of stole the show here, but I want you to talk about an awesome move that you just made to end the year with a bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> thanks bro you did not steal the show at all that was the whole purpose of the show you know to to show off what you put together because that took some time and i think was something that people can look back on and learn from and you know take into their own card situations so that was i thought that was spectacular so yeah i had a a um a card deal that i made recently that you know if you follow my Instagram at Carmine's cards, you might've seen this on my story. And a lot of people commented because they know how big of a bird and magic collector I am and that I already had this card and I got a duplicate of it, which is another crazy coincidence that we've talked about because on the last episode, we talked about you getting a duplicate of a PC card of your own with the Walt Clyde Frazier and the Bernard King patch dual auto. And you got your second one of it. So then I turned around. I said, I'm learning a lot from this Crosstown Cardboard. This guy, Craig, knows what he's talking about. And I copycatted you. And I got a duplicate of one of my PC cards, the Bird and Magic finalist exquisite dual auto with the Larry O'Brien trophy, which if you listen to our Hobby Awards show, our most recent Crosstown Cardboard, you would know that this is my top PC pickup of 2023 i paid 2800 of straight cash for this one that i have here the raw card of the same exact thing the exquisite dual auto finalist magic and bird on card numbered out of 25 and then i just got this one in a beckett slab same exact card so the one i already have is numbered 20 out of 25 the one i'm getting in the mails numbered seven out of 25 and now i have two of them <laughs> would you would you say of all of your magic bird cards that's the favorite yeah because yeah. i i have my other dual auto uh which is the college one and then i have the triple auto mm. of the 1980 triple rookie card or it's it's a triple you know with dr j and it's the rookie of magic and bird and all three autographs psa five with a 10 auto and then I have, you know, just because Dr. J's involved, I can't really quite count this, right. you know, because it, it it adds a third while a great player and the scoring leader of that NBA season. 
just the two guys on the card by themselves, you know, sets it apart for me. So would you like me to go through how this quickly happened in one day? Yeah, uh, sure. Emmanuel quickly. Um. Oh, <laughs> so here's, here's the college, uh, you know, the Michigan state, Indiana state showdown that this is the one I picked up at national. Yeah. I always have to remind you that that's the one you picked up because I, sh I took a picture of the table and I showed you where to go. Yes. Yes, you did. And we were both kind of shocked that I was able to find it in that massive yeah. space outside True. of Chicago. Um, but uh, your directions just were great. Like your directions were great. And I actually fully traded for this one that you tipped me off to at the national. But now the, yeah, exquisite, the exquisite that you just picked up, is that numbered? Yeah, it's out of 25. We both got duplicates of cards out of 25. How about that? That's, that's wild. So tell me the breakdown. Okay, so our buddy, Cards by Joe, who you know much better than me, but I know from online. What do Joe, you what do you, Joe, what do you have to Joe, say about Joe? <laughs> Joe is one of the people I talk to most regularly. Yeah. Top, probably top three. Great okay. guy. Just like good, honest dude. From um, Does the hobby with integrity. Always looking out for us. We can crack jokes. Love Joe. Cards by Joe. Give him a follow. Yeah. So he's always looking out. You know, one of the great things that friends do in the hobby, as many of our people listening and watching probably know, is when you see a card for sale on a story sale or on Instagram, Facebook, you send that story or send, or send a screenshot to one of your buddies. Say, hey, you might be interested in this. I can connect you with this guy uh, or lady if you're interested. And Cards by Joe did just that. He sent me a screenshot of the card I now have in the BGS slab, the exquisite dual auto, Bird and Magic. And he said, hey, you know, saw this and thought of you. I'll connect you with the guy who has it if you're interested. I said, definitely interested. Connect me when you can. Connected me with this guy uh, who was uh, seemed like a very experienced flipper from uh, what I can gather. J Marks, M-A-R-K-S underscore cards he's got 2800 followers he's got a bunch of things for sale really cool cards uh here if you're watching on the youtube you can see a few of them so i immediately started messaging him and i loved that he was responding right away with a quickness with a motivation to do a deal so i said are you open to trade you know i know you were looking for around a 2k value is what joe said he said yes i'll take a look at what you have so to make this story a little bit shorter, we ended up coming to a deal while I was driving back from Jacksonville here to Greenville because I was covering the Gator Bowl for Clemson, which beat Kentucky at the last second. Literally scored the go-ahead touchdown with 17 seconds left. Great game. So I'm coming back. It's like a six-hour drive, messaging on Instagram, and got the deal done in the car ride. Uh, for these three cards, this Alex Rodriguez tops turkey red, on card auto numbered out of 50 in the Yankees uniform. This Dwayne Wade rookie Jambalaya, very cool, very rare card in a PSA eight. So that's really awesome. Iconic set, of course, with LeBron's rookie year. And then the card I've talked about a few times on here, the Joe Burrow select tie dye rookie numbered out of 25 in a PSA eight. So I traded these three cards plus. 400 of cash on top from my side for the BGS slabbed dual auto of bird and magic, the exquisite right here. So we came to the, the last comp was literally this same BGS slabbed one that went for like 2,100. 
but it was like a year ago. And I think a raw one actually recently sold for around three grand. So I made sure because I was a little skeptical and we'll see when I actually get it in person. I said, is there anything major wrong with this card? Because sometimes when it's just slabbed with no card grade on it from BGS, you need to be concerned because you don't know why didn't they get that card graded because maybe it was in crappy condition, you know? So I asked him, he said, nothing major wrong. I said, were there any, any creases on it? Like any, anything major? And he said, no. So we'll see if that's true when I get it. But now you can see how that card that I just got matches the one that I have. And it's, it's pretty cool. And I think, uh, he, he was valuing it at 2K cash, and I ended up with trade and cash at like a $2,150 value. So a slight premium because it was mostly trade, which I'm fine with. I understand that because now he's got to turn around and try to sell these three cards that I gave him. So I was fine with that. It was fair. It was easy. And uh, now I got a, a duplicate of my favorite PC card that I picked up last year. Not only is it your favorite, but how many times have we talked about on here? You you are a bird collector, you're a magic collector. And just last week, you were alluding to Exquisite, how much you love Exquisite. So when the perfect card exists for you, and you only make 25 of them, and you have a chance to get both or two of them, why not? Yeah. And I think it was perfect for both of you because leveling up, you know, mm -hmm. consolidating into a card you really want was a W for you. You mm -hmm. said yourself, this J Marks is a big flipper. Mm -hmm. probably tough to move a card like that, but now he's got a few more pieces to play with. That's yeah. like a perfect trade to me. Yeah. And so now I'm going to look at a few numbers for myself and you can see I'm not quite as tech savvy as Craig. If you're watching on the YouTube, because I just handwrite it, <laughs> I put it in my notebook. I'll teach but you. I do. I do. You know, I'm a bit of an old soul at times, but I do closely track everything I'm into the cards for and uh, what I paid. So now I know that off of those three cards, the A-Rod, the D-Wade, and the Joe Burrow, I was into for $1,205. I added 400 cash. So that means I'm into the BGS slabbed Larry Bird and Magic Johnson exquisite dual auto numbered out of 25 for $1,605. So that's pretty good. You know, I mean, the... Uh, the last sale on the raw, like I said, I think went for 3K. I'm going to look it up right now. So you could argue that this is a $3,000 card, even though the guy who I got it from uh, had it at 2000 because that was the last Beckett slabbed of like the same exact card. And you're, so, you're into it for what now? $1,605. Damn. And you bought the first one for 2800 Yeah. 28 straight cash. Yeah. So you could just look at it now, since you, if you want a dollar cost average them, you're into them for twenty two hundred a piece. Yeah, cool, good deal. Now, okay, this is this is the last sold on this one. It's a BGS eight point five, and it sold for thirty one hundred on September 9th. So, so you just have to figure out, okay, BGS eight five. Now I have a BGS non graded of the same card so 2k is probably fair i would say because you don't know what the condition is i have to see it in person to really evaluate but you know um, it's 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 interesting there that song and dance to get those numbers to see what you think from a bgs 8.5 to a bgs slab but i feel great about it 
You should feel great about it. You said the BGS 85 did what again? 3100 on September 9th. And you got a you got the BGS 8 valued at 21? My no, this is BGS non-graded. The one got that it. I got. Okay. So basically the one raw. That I got. raw. More or less. Or or worse. I mean, it could be worse because it why did they not grade the card? Now that's why I asked the guy, is there anything major wrong with it? And he said no. So I trust him, you know, that that he looked at the card. I mean, he has it in person. So there's always a little trepidation when the card's in a slab, but it doesn't have a number grade on it. But I thought, you know, I'm into this card for literally half of what the BGS 8.5 sold for. So that seems like a big, big, uh, what is it? A... A margin of a margin of error. Oh, it's a big W, also. Big W. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have a lot of room to play with. To where, if I was to sell it, which I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet with the duplicate, I would feel good about, you know, what the comps are at for me to move it. Agreed. And it listen. It goes back to what we just said earlier. You acquire the card, the type of card that is perfect to what you like to collect. It's rare, but you also know it's a very strong store of value. So mm-hmm. if you ever want to sell it, you know you can move that card to somebody. If you yeah. ever see another bird and or magic card that really catches your eye, you've got very solid trade bait. You put yourself in a great position. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I feel good about it. And one more follow-up question before we move on to the Miami dealings and the bomb that you're supposed to uh, drop on the sports card hobby. The I told you so you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, since we both have duplicates now, you have duplicates of the Walt Frazier and the Bernard King, dual auto, dual patch. And I have a duplicate now of the exquisite dual auto bird and magic. What do we do with these duplicates? Are you PCing both? Are you PCing one, flipping one? Are you waiting for the right opportunity? What are you thinking? With a rare Knicks card, and if you didn't listen last week, we're talking the 2006, 2007 SP game used dual patch auto Walt Frazier, Bernard King. I have a weird thing with a special Knicks card like that is I wouldn't want to sell that card to someone who's just want to who's just going to flip it. It just kind right. of feels feels a little dirty. Yeah. If I'm ever going to move that card, it's going to go to a Knicks fan maybe to trade for something that I really like or there it is. Yeah. Uh, I I do like having both because Walt Frazier has a nicer patch on one, Bernard King has a nicer patch on another and I just I look at it and it brings me joy so I'm cool with collecting two of them. Right. Even though it's the same card, they do look slightly different because of the patches. Okay. The yeah. patch difference. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I haven't decided what I'm going to do with mine yet. I'll uh, I'll definitely check back and talk about it more on the podcast. But I think, like you said, for now, I'll keep them both PC. And But I think I will display at least one of them at Culture Collision as potential trade bait or potential, you know, market up to, let's say, if I price that at 3500 with the BGS 8.5 being 3100 now maybe if I get a $3,000 offer, that's a $1,400 profit. <laughs> I got to take that. Yeah. I got to take that if I have a duplicate. So, you know, that might be my strategy to start off with and see what happens. Nice. Um, I think you put yourself in a good position. Thanks, bro. All right, so let's talk about Miami. this. Let's Miami. Talk about Miami. Miami. Yeah, yeah. yeah Pitbull. Pitbull's finest okay family trip i was with my wife her sister uh and uncle and all that obviously when we travel we go to card shops yep. when, when convenient of course 
<laughs> yeah, uh, which is somehow time. it's somehow it's always convenient. It actually <laughs> really truly was this time because we were going to this Israeli's restaurant and it was five minutes from. Have you ever heard of Polwax? Uh uh-uh. uh Polwax. They're they're pretty reputable brands. They do a lot of breaking whatnot streaming. Breaking, breaking. Okay, yeah. Breaking whatnot streaming. So I went to the Polwax store. Great store. Very nice and clean. They got chairs for you to sit at. Not a ton of cards within the display cases, but nice stuff. Like I saw like a Kevin Durant flawless patch with a piece of the letter. I saw a Patrick Ewing 1415 prism gold pulsar out of 10 and a 9.5. They had this really nice 98 co-signers, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, dual auto. Ooh, nice wow. stuff. Wow. I like that a lot. Nice stuff. And, and I brought some cards with me to trade. Uh, unfortunately, and they were very honest, great conversations. They were like, you know, when, when they're picking up cards, they're looking for cards that are going to move on their live streams, which the hot young quarterbacks, that type of stuff. And I was like, listen, that's just not my game. That's just not what I do. Right. Even though they had nice cards there, I'm just not in a position to just be dropping thousand dollar on card here and there. Right. I like to do at least partial trades and they couldn't make that happen. No love lost. It was, you know, totally civil. Um, I wasn't able to acquire any of those cards, but I was in there for 30 minutes. The guys were super nice. So I didn't want to walk out of there empty handed. So I just picked up a 2018 Prism World Cup, Casemiro from Brazil, red Prism out of 149 in an SGC 10. It's 30 bucks. Like I said, I just didn't want to walk out of there empty handed. That's cool. And plus it's an SGC 10. I mean, that's Prism, Prism World Cup numbered. So cool card. Casemiro is a legend in Brazil um next shop i went to i'm not even gonna say the name because the shop was trash it was in a a shopping center i walked in the prices were outrageously overpriced i mean 2x on everything the owner of the shop didn't say anything to me i walked in there for five minutes i'm like yeah i'm I'm getting out of here so that was a waste of my time wow okay but we were getting food in the same shopping center so it worked out you know what did you did you get did you get chinese food i love mall chinese food no, this was an outdoor shopping center. Oh, so, and we're in Miami. We get Latin fusion, you know, empanadas, stuff like that. You know what I'm talking okay. about? Okay. But the real destination. The real destination. I was very, very, very excited for this shop was the Loop shop. Yes. Cousin Tony was talking this one up. There you go. L-O-U-P-E. They have an online streaming platform. Once again, I don't do the online streaming. I don't know anything about that. So all I know is they had a, they had a shop and I was excited to go into it. Now, yep. if you ever been to Miami... I have not. No, I don't think so. Maybe on a family trip, but definitely not as an adult. So the shop is in an unbelievable location in Wynwood, which is the art district. So you walk around, there's like little shops, clothing shops, restaurants, a lot of murals on the wall. Just very, very colorful, like vibrant. Okay. So the location, A+. The... The shop itself, I was excited. I don't know why I was excited. I just had a good feeling leading up to it and here's what it looked like from the outside okay cool yeah yeah i think you you showed me that one i i really like the interior what an what an interesting if you have photos of that so here's the very very interesting the way they set everything up there amazing the way they set it up because you see that wall right there of cards everything's priced so you can find a card you like you can look up your comps and everything but what was cool was throughout the store they had glass display cases and within the display cases was a comp. It was organized by sport, and it was a combination of wax and singles. So, like, here's a box of Prism football, and then surrounding it are football cards. Okay. 
So they made for uh, it made for a very pleasant browsing experience. Now, I brought some cards with me. The guy said, you know, they're they're really looking to they only buy and trade graded cards, which I, I kind of understand, right? Yeah, for for yeah, safety get some headaches out of it. They probably lose a good amount of profit they could get, but at the same time, clearly they've prioritized eliminating headaches over maybe an extra profit here and there for the raw cards. Sure. And they're very honest about trading and buying. I love the transparency and the consistency. They buy at 70% and they trade at 85%. Wow, that's good. That sounds similar to Bleaker, right? Similar to Bleaker? Similar, yeah. Look, 85% trade, in my opinion, is strong. Yeah. I think that's good for a shot. So I'm walking around the shop. What am I looking for? You know what I'm looking for. <laughs> what am I looking for? You're looking for Nick's game-used patches. Nah, one word. One word. What am I looking for? Stuff. Stuff. So the, the nice thing about being in Florida is you could pick up maybe some New York cards that might not be as popular there that I'll bring back with me. So as I say, any show, any shop, what's the goal? The goal is to acquire a card that you hope to keep. Mm -hmm. So the cards that they were interested in trading for was I had a 2019-20 Erling Hollands Topps Chrome rookie card, purple out of 250, which they valued at 700. They gave me 600 trade value. Now, I was into it for 670. A small okay. loss. A small yeah, loss. Close enough. Close enough. A $70 loss, but for what I was able to get, it was worth it to me. And this Shohei Otani Chrome card, not a rookie. It was like a $40 card. So it's always fun when you can pick up new cards and use trade value to at least knock off half or maybe a little bit more of the price. Yep. So here, you want to see what I ended up with? Yeah. Okay. A 2003 Ultimate Collection, Dwayne Wade, rookie jersey from a photo shoot in a PSA 9. Nice. Now they had they had a price tag at $60. I sold this on Instagram the same night for $115. What? I uh, know. Quick little flippity flip. How did you sell it? Wait a minute. How did you sell it for double what they had it priced at? I have a good eye. I, I, I you know, I, was, I saw the card. I felt like the price was a little undervalued. I tried to look up some comps, and that was that. Okay. Uh, this card was just super cool for forty bucks. Two thousand four Topps Chrome Paul Pierce Black Refractor in a PSA nine. Oh yes, I did see some of these. Yes, I did. That that is cool. I nice like those card. black refractors are sick. Numbered out of 500. And look, I'm just thinking we're going to be set up at shows. We're going to Culture Collision. What do I want my table to look like? I love the mid-2000s Topps Chrome stuff. The truth. Uh, this one, he is just so hot in the New York City market. 2013 Bowman Chrome. Rookie, refractor, and a PSA 8. Aaron Judge. Oh, oh yeah. All rise, baby. Yeah, this is a PSA 8. I think there was a PSA 9 sale for like 225 And they had the PSA 8 priced at 150 Seemed like a no-brainer to me. Yep, that's his. That's his iconic rookie card there too. Uh, it, I don't know if it is or not. Well, I'm not the baseball guy like that. Yeah, but also, I mean, his tops. Of course, his tops chrome is up there too. Now, here was the big get. You know what I got or no? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, we have talked about here in the past. I kind of like. I don't get a lot of vintage, but I'm I'm intrigued by vintage. And who do I? Oh, always I know what you're. Yep, I know what you're getting at. Yep. Who, who do I always talk about? Jackie Robinson. Easy, easy, right? So a couple episodes ago, I picked up a 1955 Topps Jackie Robinson. Raw, got it graded mm. by SGC, which came back in a 1.5, which I am totally content with. Yeah, that's and a good-looking picture. It is. And this was just last week. And I, now I'm starting to think, 
Well, they only made five Jackie Robinson tops cards, 52, three, four, five, and six. I just got the 55. Maybe I'll make it my 2024 goal to get the other four. There you go. So here I am in loop. I've got store credit to play with. There's modern cards everywhere except for one vintage card that was in a little special area with some higher end stuff. I saw it. I saw the price tag. The eye appeal is crazy. And I'm like, this is, this is what I want. This is the card. So I was able to trade the Holland, the Otani, and about 550 for the three cards that I just mentioned. And a 1953 tops Jackie Robinson in a PSA 2. Wow. So in a matter of a week, I've acquired two out of the five Jackie Robinson tops cards. And what I really like about this card, one, the eye appeal is unbelievable for a two. Yeah. Unbelievable. The centering, even the corners aren't bad. There's like a little bit of rough corner over here by the black. And you can kind of see a crease through here, but it's very subtle. And the old PSA slab. See how it starts with zero? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I couldn't believe this was there. I mean, this was a card that was legitimately on my list of a card I've Bro. always wanted to pick up. That is crazy if you think about how many cards they've graded. The first number now starts with a seven. I know. So... I don't know. The fact that I'm able to more or less turn like an Erling Holland card from 2019 into a Jackie Robinson 1953 card kind of feels like a no-brainer to me. Yeah. So Man, that, that 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 photo is so clear. That is unbelievable for a 70-year-old card to look like that. Yeah. So I made the trade. Um, I came out of here with came out of loop in Miami, traded two cards, added cash, sold this one, a couple cards for the inventory, and a card that is going straight to the PC. Good for you. Yeah. You always, very, you always, very you always make it happen on these trips. You always make something happen, but that's super cool. So how hard is it going to be to acquire the remaining three from the 54, 50? 56 should be fine. Cause I'm here for the low grades 52. It's the iconic 52 tops. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a challenge, but I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll make it happen. Culture collision. There's going to be a lot of tables set up and a lot of trade nights too. So maybe that could be the spot. Low, low grade is fine for me. I, I think that's cool about vintage. You could still collect the iconic cards, but in lower grades and not break the bank. Yeah, 100%. I'm happy your trip went well. Another another great trip. Shout out to Loop for having a really cool shop and just being honest and working with me because they looked at the comps. They give you – I'll show you. They, uh, they even print out a receipt for you where they show you what cards you traded what the description was, what they give you, what the comp was, what they give you and what they would give you in cash, what they would give you in trade. So, yeah, that was really cool. Cool. That's great. Yeah, the transparency is so is so important and makes the the person who they're dealing with feel rest assured this is exactly the breakdown just in case you forget and here's how we worked it out. Very pleasant experience. So, yeah, I left with a, a 53 tops Jackie Robinson, a card that has been on my wish list for a long time and I was not expecting to find it in Miami, but here we are. That's great. That's great. And I love these longer episodes um, that we're getting into because we've been so, we've been getting busy in the hobby to reference a previous episode. We're still busy. We're still making things happen. And so we're uh, kind of down the home stretch of this episode, but before we get into the, the, hobby bomb that you plan on dropping the i told you so i just want to go over this recent nicks trade 
to refresh people before you drop your bomb on how it relates to cards. So what happened was recently, if you're a Knicks fan, we do have the majority of our listeners are from New York. So shout out to all those Knicks fans out there, baby. We're still making a move. We're still getting into this playoff position for hopefully a couple rounds of winning in this year's playoffs. But the trade, the Knicks sending R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and the Detroit Pistons 2024 second round pick to the Raptors for OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn in return coming to the Knicks from the Raptors. So we're losing R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly. And, uh, you know, it, it, it hurts. It hurts. I mean, R.J.'s been a big part of the team, of course, you know, uh, ever since the Knicks drafted him, same with quickly, although coming off the bench, a lot of times still not being fully utilized to his full potential, but you know, because there's been a lot of guards in front of him, Kemba, Jalen Brunson, you know, those type of guys, uh, Derek Rose competing for time also, at, you know, back when quickly's coming up. So what did you think of the trade and how did, how do you relate it to the sports card dealings? Well, first of all, when the trade dropped, I was on a boat in Miami, so Timing was not great for me personally. I was trying to enjoy myself, but then my phone was getting blown up, and my wife is like, "You would think you're the GM with the Knicks of the Knicks." <laughs> but my initial reaction was, "I love the trade." OG is like a true three and D guy. He's six seven, seven two wingspan, second team All Defense, led the league in steals last year. Who else is going to guard Tatum and Giannis when we play these teams in the playoffs? He's the guy. Everyone thought we were going to trade them for like the great piece. No, this is a significant piece to the next step. I think we're going to love OG. He is tough, elite defender. And you got to look at his shooting splits. He's like a almost like a 50-40 guy. Yeah. And as far as the players, going to miss Emmanuel quickly, of course. But you got to pay a little to gain a little. You got to spend money to make money. So you're more upset about losing quickly than RJ? I'm going to get into RJ. Um, yes, quickly was a, you know, more of a playmaker. He can make things happen for himself. We were never going to pay him the money he wanted in the offseason. So we got value out of trading him while we could. Right. Now on to RJ. <laughs> I appreciate that RJ was our third pick and a homegrown guy. I think we saw what his ceiling could be with us. He was never going to be our third option. But in relating it back to cards, here you go. Ready for this? Yep. For the last probably two to three years, I've bought plenty of Knicks cards. I think I've maybe purchased two or three very, very low-end R.J. Barrett cards. I've been to dozens of shows and shops. People offer me trades. When I say I'm looking for Knicks, they say, I've got R.J. Barrett. Dozens and dozens of times. And I've said the same thing every time for the last two to three years. That I tell people, I am not buying R.J. Barrett cards because I have a feeling when it's time to trade for a star player, he is absolutely going to be one of the ones to go. So I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. And I'm sitting here right now with zero RJ Barrett cards in my collection because I trusted my instincts. Let's go next. <laughs> so you're happy that you stuck to your guns and didn't go for some of the RJ Barrett cards because you thought he, he was expendable, which he's proven to be yep. recently. Uh, yeah, look, this isn't the final piece of the puzzle for a championship, and I'm very excited to see OG. He makes his debut. We're recording Sun Monday, New Year's Day. He makes his debut today. Um, we'll, we'll see if there's some OG cards in my future. Okay. 
I thought, uh, you know, speaking of the Knicks defense, Julius Randle did a good job on Giannis on Christmas Day with that win. I thought I thought he did a good. I mean, he's not, you know, as mobile, of course, as OG, but his strength and you can't push him around. So, but he can't do that for a seven game series, right? So, no, no, no. And his offense is going to suffer if he does that too. So, yeah, OG uh, dropped twenty nine points on us earlier in the season. He's okay. he's legit. I'm interested to see how much of an upgrade he really is over RJ Barrett, but you think significant. I do. And we trade we saved the like we solved all of our first round picks. We also got Precious Achua in the trade, which we need a little depth at center. We don't know if Isaiah Hardstein is gonna re-sign. So it's a little insurance policy at the center position. Yeah, with Mitchell Robinson out for the year. So from a card standpoint, I think we kind of just addressed what we needed to regarding RJ. I also don't have any Emmanuel Quickly cards. Yeah, I, I have one like $25 cheap RPA of Emmanuel Quickly just to sell. But uh, the only and thing I did with RJ Barrett, I had a silhouette. Remember that RPA yeah. silhouette that I had? <laughs> you tried to sell it to me. I told I you. I tried to trade it. I tried to trade it, but you shot me down. And good for him for going back home to Toronto. Everybody wins. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. The Canadian national team is pretty good now. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that's it. That was great. I love that. I love that data breakdown. Talking about my big trade to get my duplicate bird magic exquisite dual auto finalist with the Larry O'Brien trophy. And going through all your numbers, the data, your profit margins, what you invested, what you sold, what you bought. Where yeah. you bought it and sold it. That was really interesting. What I kept. And what you kept. Just like we're going to keep the podcast rolling into 2024. Greg, any last words before we wrap up this episode and preview some upcoming episodes that we've already talked about? Yeah, we have a couple of very – I'm very excited about a couple of guests coming up. I actually didn't even tell you I have a third guest coming up. So the, the next three guests we have are going to be great uh exciting month we got culture collision january yep. 26 7 8 so i will see be seeing you for the and, and uh big ken for a good time in atl <laughs> good time and we'll uh definitely recap that and talk more leading up to it but yes yeah, so we have a few guests coming on and that should be outstanding and we look forward to sharing their stories with you guys and ladies in the new year and just keeping this thing rolling and uh any new year's resolutions real quick craig i know we didn't talk about this new year's resolution do you do you have any continue to better my mental and physical health that's a great one i'll piggyback i'll piggyback on that and try to do the same right on uh i'll see you next week all right bro peace